2: Jesus said to the man, Stand up, go. Your faith has healed you. Now, why would he say that? Most commentators believe because of the original language. All ten of them were healed physically. The Samaritan was healed physically, but when he came back to thank Jesus, he was healed spiritually. He went away as a believer in Jesus. You know, the greatest need you and I have is not physical, it's spiritual. Good people don't go to heaven. Only forgiven people go to heaven. And he was forgiven of his sins by Jesus.
0: We all get irritated or at least disappointed when we do a kindness to someone else and they fail to thank us. If we're honest, we've certainly done the same thing to others. Then there's God. How many times have we neglected to thank him for all he's given us, life, health, and so much more? Pastor Mark will teach about an instance where Jesus touched the lives of some needy people at their request, but then forgot to thank their benefactor we will be reminded that there is a gift available to us beyond our physical needs, that of spiritual restoration. Remember, there's quite a few ways to receive a copy of Pastor Mark's teaching. We'll be sharing all that information with you at the close of this broadcast. Now, here's Pastor Mark in Luke chapter 17 with part three of his message, Discipleship in action.
2: Most people, when they start, because they don't know any better, I'm going to say this kindly, they come to church. What do you have for me? As we start to serve, it's not what I have for you. It's what you can do for God through other people. Do you get it? Some people go, oh, well, that's the way I look at it. I want to be served. Well, that's our selfish nature. But you guys were fantastic So I just want to thank you from all the elders. Thank you so much. You were generous in giving those moms, those single moms, those moms with kids at the Serene Harbor. They're just going to be blessed. Thank you. Thank you. By the way, who did you make look good? God, never our church, never you. We're not out there asking for our name to be talked about. It's God who did it all through you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Now, in in this parable... In the old days, you'd use a term like this, uh, bond servant, uh, kind of a slave. Well, that's not the words we use today. So I'm going to, you know, you'll, you'll see it. It's different already in the translation for a reason. We're, we're going to use the word servant and master, employer and employee. Watch what Jesus says, verse seven, all of our campuses, here we go. When a servant comes in from plowing or taking care of a sheep, <coughs> now watch what Jesus is doing. He's asking for an answer. Does his master say, come in and eat with me? The answer is no. He says, prepare my meal, put on your apron, and serve me while I eat. Then you can eat later. Now look it. And does the master thank the servant for doing what he was told to do? Of course not. Now what in the mean? Look what happened. A servant works all day, and when he comes in, he says to his master, I worked all day for you. Wow. Morning to night. Where's my meal? You mean you didn't pick a meal for me? You actually want me now at the end of the day to go into the kitchen and serve you a meal that I've got to cook? Are you kidding me? Could you not even say, nice job today, Mark? You say, well, sounds all right to me. No, but the notice the answer to the servants' questions were always no. What is Jesus reminding his disciples? That they're servants, and you have to check your attitude as you serve God. You see, that person is serving God because he had to. He wants his name mentioned. He wants a meal fixed for him by God. He wants to have kudos all the time. That a boy, baby. Now, there's nothing wrong with that, but it's the wrong attitude. Now, think about this. When you became a Christian, God forgave your sins instantly. And from that time, he put the Holy Spirit in you, and he equips us and helps us to do God's word. Now, I'm going to ask you a question. What does God owe us over here versus what we owe God? Who, who owes who the most? Oh, Pastor Mark, you don't know how many good works. I'm really close to doing exactly what God's done for me. You better think again. Not even close. So everything God has done for us in the past and still does for us, could I ever repay that? Huh? Impossible. Number one, it's a gift. Number two, it's the generosity of God. So what Jesus is trying to say, check your attitude. This servant has the wrong attitude. He's serving for what he can get. And he's serving with the wrong attitude. And it simply shows. There's no way you and I can ever repay God for what he does for us and continues to do for us. Now, look at verse 10 in the New Living Translation. In the same way, watch it. When you obey me, you should say, we are not worthy of praise. I just showed you that. Is God worthy of praise or am I worthy of praise? Only God's worthy of praise. You are not worthy of praise. We are servants who have simply done our duty. It's a privilege to serve. So Jesus says to his disciples, we're simply servants that serve God. It's a picture of humility. I don't have worth outside of God. And what he's done for me gives me purpose and meaning and worth. So I want to be a great servant. Now, in our world, if you mention this term in the business world, they won't get it. Listen to this word. I'll ask it this way. Is servant leadership an oxymoron? In the world, it is. In the world, it is. a manager, an owner of a corporation. He won't say, well, I'm a servant leader. I'm a leader that serves people. No, he's just the leader and you serve him. But Jesus is going to say something because he dressed dressed, his disciples "Mm That that's not how we live. Look what he says right here, Matthew 20, 26. But among you, talking to disciples, you're going to be different than the world you are not going to be a person that just leads. You are going to be a servant leader. And he says this, whoever wants to be a leader among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first among you must become your slave. For even the son of man came not to be served, but to serve others and give his life as a ransom for many. The disciples had watched Jesus say this many times, but then they observed it over and over and over again in his life. You see, our mission is to serve one another, to give of ourselves as Jesus came to us. And he was trying to say to his disciples, look, when I leave, the world will try to squeeze you into its mold. Serve me. I'm one of the 12 apostles. Serve me. I'm the pastor of Calvary Chapel of Melbourne. Serve me. I'm your husband. Do you know in the home what the husband is supposed to be? A servant leader. Well, I like the leader part, Pastor Mark. (laughs) No, it's called servant leader. And the world doesn't understand. It's an oxymoron to them. But we don't live with the world's standards. We live with God's standards. That's why this whole passage right here, we just serve other people. We love to serve other people. That's our goal. Our worth is what God has done to us and for us. So remember, we serve God not because we have to, but because we get to. And I just want to say again from the elders and the pastors, thank you. Because you're such a serving congregation. Thousands of people serving in so many different ways. Way to go in making God look good. Here's the third thing to write down this morning. Be a faithful servant with a humble attitude. Forget titles. You're just a servant. That's all I am. That's all Jesus said he was. I didn't come to be called something special. I'm just your servant. Now, Max Ricardo says this. There are times when we are called to love, expecting nothing in return. Times that we are called to give money to people who will never say thanks. Times when we're called to forgive those who won't forgive us. To come early and stay late when nobody else notices. Service-prompted. By duty, this is the call of discipleship. Thank you. That's who we are. We just love to serve. Not because we have to, but we get to. Because God serves us grace and peace and mercy over and over again. If he didn't, there'd be nobody in this room. I definitely wouldn't be here. Can I ever outpay God? Never. He's too good. To all of us. Now, look at verse 11. As Jesus continues on toward Jerusalem, he reaches the border between Galilee and Samaria. Now, let me just say this, Samaritans. Remember, the Jewish people hated them. They were Gentiles and Jews together, and they were called half-breeds. By the, The Jewish people hated them. But watch what happens. You'll see the reason for Samaria as we go by. As he entered a village there... 10 lepers stood at a distance, crying out, Jesus, master, have mercy on us. They would have been standing a long way away from Jesus. Now, why is that? Well, people who had leprosy in those days, it was very infectious. There was no cure for it. So they had to be stand away from people. They couldn't be around people. And basically, they also were never around their families. They had to leave their families. They had to leave their kids. They went off into an area and just isolated themselves. That's why you have 10 people together. They could be together. They couldn't be anywhere near to Jesus. So, And it's a lonely, lonely life. So they're screaming out to Jesus, Help us! Help us! Somehow they heard about him. When Linda and I were in India a couple months ago, I was teaching in two places, Kathmandu and then in Delhi. And this is in Delhi, India. And I was teaching 200 Calvary Chapel pastors with some other guys. And it was just a wonderful time. And one day they said, get in the car, we're going. I said, okay, where are we going? They took us to a little colony of lepers. They were in the city. It's not infectious anymore. Their disease was cured. Too late, really, but it was cured. And so we were there. And here's what we had a privilege of doing. They would stand in line forever filling their bucket full of rice. Now, that was humbling. Now, he said, well, Pastor Mark, why are you feeding them rice? Because they have nothing. During the day, they will go and beg on the streets for anything. So we take the love of God and give them rice. And I can tell you, it was incredibly humbling. At the end of this, there was a message, very short message, by the head of the Harvest Mission, and he just said to these people, "The reason you got rice is because God loves you." Now, when they would come up and get the rice, it was very moving. Many of them came, half their hand is not there, no foot, ears gone. It was, it was horrible. And you know, you walk away from there going, "Forgive me, Lord, for sin. I had a bad day. Forget it." And not even close. As you see what's happening. But we wanted to show them love. Now, what will Jesus do? Remember, different in these days than hair. It's all cured, but too late for them. But what would Jesus do? Well, watch what happens. Verse 14. And he looked at them. Remember, they're distanced. And he says, go show yourself to the priests. Now, that doesn't seem to make any sense to us. He commanded them to go to the priests. Because that's what the law required them to do. The law required a leper to go to the priest, the Jewish priest, so he could be cured. They didn't have doctors in those days like that. So the priest would go, look, okay, the, the white stuff's gone. The little snubs are gone. These are gone. And they would say, okay, now it's, it's okay. You can go back to your family. You can go back to meeting people. You're cured. So that was it. And then, of course, then they'd do some sacrifices as well. So they were commanded to go. Jesus knew this. He's following the law. And he asked them to go back and be cured. Now, notice something. Did Jesus touch them? Hello? No. Uh, One day, Jesus, you remember this, what I'm trying to get at is Jesus never used the same healing method. He always did something different. Now, another time, a woman touched him, but he never initially touched her. Remember the one time Jesus spit in a guy's eye and his eye was healed? Can you imagine me doing it? You'd have another pastor. I'd be in jail somewhere for something. But God had a great sense of humor. So notice what he asked him to do. Look at this next verse. I want you to underline this in your Bible. Circle this in your Bible. And as they went. Now, why would they leave? Go to the priest. Have a nice day. Well, as they went, look at the rest of the sentence. They were cleansed. Of their leprosy. You see, Jesus required them to step out and start walking before they were cured. I don't know how many steps. Step one, this is stupid. Step two, this is crazy. Step three, step four, yeah, another day like this. What was he requiring? Faith. Faith, to believe it. As they went, they were cured. All 10 of them, as they went, they were cured. What Jesus is really saying is this. Take a step of faith, and your obedience will heal you. Now, what is this thing called faith? Look at it. Hebrews 11.1. 1. It's a perfect picture of this story. Now, faith is being sure of what we hope for. What did they hope for? Their leprosy would be cured. And certain of what we do not see. You can hear them saying, okay, I heard this. Jesus was good. This is nothing. Sure of what we hope for and certain of what we They don't see nothing for step one, step two, step three, and all of a sudden, healed. Now, how could you be healed instantaneously of leprosy when there was no cure? You had good insurance. You had great medical care. It's called supernatural. Now, if you, as a Christian, don't believe in the supernatural, you're reading the wrong Bible. This God's our supernatural God, by the way, in case you don't know this, I, of course, I believe in doctors. I was in the medical profession for a long time, but your real healer is God. Every one of us, our real healer is God. See your body takes over and does stuff what the doctor cannot do. He can sew it, but he can't make that scar just go away. That's God. He knows what he's doing. So that's exactly what happened here, by, by faith. So what is that? I wrote this statement, and it's a challenge to me. I usually write statements for all of us. You may want to think about this. I want to trust God and simply obey him without any evidence. In other words, when God tells me to do something, I want to do it. I like to really say this usually with God. God, you want me to do that? Give me a sign you want me to do that. No, I just want to get to the place. I'm not there yet, but I'm working toward it. God, if you tell me to do this, and it's biblically based, I want to do it without no evidence. That's faith. You know, God honors faith. He loves it. Sometimes our faith is so small. We just have to exercise it. If God speaks to you, just say to him, if that's really you, God, I just want to step out and do what you tell me to do. Now look at verse 15. One of them... When he saw that he was healed, came back to Jesus shouting, praise God. Now, Jesus healed all the 10, but only one came back. The other nine went to the priest. We don't really know what happened, why they didn't that, why they didn't come back and thank Jesus. But probably it was this. They were so excited to get to the priest to be cured, because what could they do after that? They could go home to their families, but there was no reason Not to go back and say to Jesus, all 10 of them, thank you. You've changed our life. By the way, if you're an unbeliever, when you come to Christ, your whole life will change. Old things are passed away and everything becomes new. Quit trying to do life on your own. The disease of sin will kill you, but the cure of Jesus will heal you forever forever. Now watch this. He fell to the ground at Jesus' feet thanking him for what he'd done. This man was a Samaritan. You know, when the ten were there, he said, Jew, 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 Jew. What are you? Samaritan. Get out of the line. I'm not interested in Samaritans. Jew, Jew. No. You have to understand our world should never care. Color, skin, nation, language, whatever. Man, woman, who cares? Jesus died for us all. We're all equal. That's a very obscure thing that you see with the one, but it's a huge thing for us. Because when the woman at the well before this, what was she? Samaritan. The Jews hated her. Jesus saved her. So be careful. In case you're new to this church, we're not prejudiced of anybody. God loves us all equally because his son died for us. Don't think we're that way. I like this to be United Nations all over the not the organization, Lord help us, but the the world filled with nations people. I love going all over the world, see different people eating all their crazy food. Well, not all of it, but some of their crazy food. And God loves us all. Can I hear an amen? Come on, come on. Okay. Now Jesus asked. Didn't I heal 10 men? Where are the other nine? If you read that, what are you hearing? You're hearing hurt. And you're hearing that Jesus was amazed by their ingratitude. They forgot to give him thanks. Well, oh, it wasn't about him. He was shocked that that change in the life, they didn't come. And look what he says in verse eight. Has no one returned to give glory to God except this foreigner And Jesus said to the man, stand up, go. Your faith has healed you. Now, why would he say that? Most commentators believe because of the original language. All 10 of them were healed physically. The Samaritan was healed physically, but when he came back to thank Jesus, he was healed spiritually. He went away as a believer in Jesus. You know, the greatest need you and I have is not physical, it's spiritual, Good people don't go to heaven. Only forgiven people go to heaven. And he was forgiven of his sins by Jesus. Last thing you want to write today, number four. Be a thankful person with an attitude of gratitude. But let's not forget one of the greatest persons that we need to thank, and that's our God. Sometimes we forget. We just forget. Let me just read this verse to you. I must give you a homework assignment. Psalm 103 tomorrow. In your devotions, just read it and thank God. Let me read Psalm 105. Give thanks to the Lord and proclaim his greatness. Let the whole world know what he has done. Give thanks to the Lord for he is good. His faithful love endures forever. Has the Lord redeemed you? Then speak out.
0: Pastor Mark shared his desire to learn to obey God simply without any physical evidence to support that obedience. It's a worthy goal and one supported by Scripture. What about you? Do you want to see God use you in ways you can't even imagine? It will require you to begin to trust God in more risky ways in your life. We pray you find all He has for you. Thanks so much for joining us today. Pastor Mark will continue to go through this series in the next edition of Lessons for Living. To add today's message to your study library, simply log on to LessonsForLivingRadio.com and select the Order a Message option from the main menu. The cost for each CD is $5, and that includes shipping. Again, to place an order for a CD, simply log on to LessonsForLivingRadio.com and select the Order a Message option from the main menu. In the next message, Pastor Mark will begin teaching on the next passage in the book of Luke. There, Jesus will take the time to explain to his disciples the importance of prayer. He will also try to help them understand the Father's desire for them to pray and his willingness to answer their prayers. We will learn that this lesson applies to us as well. We've run out of time today, but we do encourage you to tune in next time as Pastor Mark will continue teaching through this series, Everyday Life of Jesus. That's next time on Lessons for Living.
1: in a hurry.